Hello, listeners, and welcome back to the Total Football Analysis Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Scully, and we're back with another regular episode of the TFA Podcast. A moment of very special guest. Last week, we had Jack Ross, the former boss of St. Mirren, Sunderland, Hibs, and Dundee United on the show. Jack was excellent and offered some wonderful insight into the world of football management, particularly on the men's side. However, today, we've got a head coach on the podcast who can offer a slightly different perspective on things focusing his craft on the women's side of football. Today's guest is none other than Washington Spirit head coach Mark Parsons, formerly the head coach of the Netherlands national team and the Portland Thorns. An NWSL champion and the 2016 NWSL coach of the year, Mark was a fantastic guest, offering a lot of insight into the world of football and tactics, and it was an absolute pleasure to speak with him. I'm also very grateful to Mark as he took time out of his really busy schedule to record the podcast with me, and I'm looking forward to you all listening to this episode. I believe it was... 8 a.m. when Mark recorded in the United States with me. It was 1 p.m. here, of course. So I'm I'm incredibly grateful for anyone who jumps on a on a podcast and speaks so eloquently at 8 a.m. Before we begin, though, please make sure to rate the podcast. Five stars, hopefully. It's greatly appreciated and it helps to grow the podcast and to get more and more excellent guests like Mark Parsons on. So now, without further ado, let's go speak to Mark. Mark, thank you so much for joining me today. Are you excited for the new season? Yeah, Adam, thanks for having me on. I'm looking forward to this opportunity to talk about women's football. Yeah, we, we're ramping up. I mean, we are today is the soft start for pre-season, but tomorrow is the official mm-hmm. official start. And um, yeah, energy, enthusiasm is rolling through the building. We're looking forward to get, to get going. It's been an interesting build-up. Uh, a lot of brand new staff uh, in what this this club is doing some unbelievable special things and that's why I've come here a lot of new people and also team um, some additions new additions but what will feel like a new team because of the work the club has done so we've got a lot to do in a small amount of time which I think makes this pre-season very interesting and I'm hoping I'm hoping that my experiences especially international where you've got to do more with less time can can pay off in in what will be a fun preseason here. Yeah, and this is your first time back with uh, Washington Spirit, I think, since in seven years, I believe. Yeah, so I was uh, I was the guy in 2013. I was coaching the reserve team, and unfortunately, the first team got sacked. And I, I ran the reserve team for three months in the summer while while working as a technical mm-hmm. director of a youth club. I was the guy on the pitch next to them when they didn't have anyone to run training. I think I was the the safe, easy, cheap, and fast option next door. So uh, they asked me to take over uh, until the end of the season. At the end of the season, actually got named as head coach and general manager, uh, which is funny now looking back, and I and I'm grateful for that. Uh, but there was probably wasn't even prepared and ready to be a head coach. Never mind general manager and head coach. But we we made the best of it. And then 2014-15 with Washington Spirit, and then Portland Thorns called. Uh, at the time, would be uh, yeah, Man United mm. or Liverpool. Um, I'm a Chelsea fan, but I've got to say, a club that has an unbelievable sta- stadium like Anfield on Champions League night. This was this was the club that was calling. Yeah. Me and my wife and my daughter moved to Portland. We were there for six years. Uh, short stop in the Netherlands before before taking this opportunity to come back to Washington Spirit. What's interesting is my first time here. 
uh, I, I was coaching the five, six-year-olds. I was coaching the academy. I was coaching the first team. I was writing press releases. I was doing the signings, the contracts. I was doing a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. And now we're going we're gonna to start preseason with a, with a staff, a sporting staff of probably 30, 30 plus staff, which I've never had. I've never had in women's football. And it's, it's why I wanted to be here. I wanted to be at the start of a new era for Washington Spirit. The owner, Michelle Kang, is, is doing things that I've never seen, has ambition, but also commitment to that ambition mm-hmm. that I've never seen. And uh, yeah, we're about to take the first few steps here. You've been in the United States, I believe, since around 2010. I actually read an old interview of yours, I think, from about four or five years ago, where you talked about, you had discussions with your wife and she loved the United States and so did you. And you just decided to look for, for I suppose, coaching roles over there. But you did have uh, coaching history in England. I mean, you started with, and, and, and I mean, your coaching history is, is, is amazing because I believe you started with Chelsea's... Um, I think it was like the Chelsea coaching program. There's a, there is a better name for it. I just, I'm sorry, I, the, the name escapes me now. We're at 16, 17, around that? Yeah, so uh, when I was 18, I started coaching part-time for Chelsea. Mm-hmm. I think the, the questions were, do you have a driving license? And can you get places in short notice? So yes and yes. And I support Chelsea, Chelsea fan um, all my life. And uh, 18 where I realized um, I was going to be a very average player, but but love love the game and had been coaching since I was probably 14, you know, the local team and did more damage than good at the time, but I had a passion for, for trying to help people. And, and then Chelsea let me come and coach one or two hours after school clubs, you know, community sessions. Yeah. I think the goal of, of that work there was spread love, spread fun of the game, keep people playing, boys and girls, Sometimes it would have been keep keep uh, teenagers uh, on a Thursday Friday night keep them off the the high street causing mm-hmm. causing damage and, and get them involved in football. Um, now from that community work, which I always did when I was at Chelsea, and I'm proud of that, and it's really helped shape who I am. I then started to do some boys academy under eights, where I got to coach Reese James, Connor Gallagher, and a few other the boys that are now in the first team. But my uh, I think the most critical step was was meeting a guy in the community called Keith Harms. Keith Harms was the under-16s um, girls coach at the time. Mm. I said, could I come out and watch a session? I know it seems crazy now, but it was tough to watch training sessions. It was tough to watch coaches work. It, of, it was often more closed and protected, uh, which is also a big reason why I'm the opposite. And I really, I really try to open the doors to as many people because I found it hard at the beginning of my career. He said, yes, Mark, come and watch. And that was the start. And, and now he's one of my best friends. I speak to him every few days. But he showed me um, such important life lessons, as, as, and especially in coaching. And, and the one he always says is be a good person. But he, he opened the door. I assisted him. And then I'm on the girl side. I was, I was uh, assistant to him for a couple of years, became reserve team coach, became the center of excellence uh, girls uh, director. Um, we signed Alessia Russo when she was 11 or 12. We, we signed Nicole Douglas when she was nine. We brought Lauren James in when she was seven or eight. Uh, actually, Nicole Douglas, who we brought in at nine, was my, one of my first first um, year group signings. We've just signed at Washington Spirit you know, 12, 13 years later, which is just crazy. That was drafted her in the, Yeah, it's it's incredible. And I and I will be honest that that Keith and many others have been sharing her progress, and because. My journey's been been different. I've I've always kept an eye, but not not 
zoomed in, but the last mm-hmm. last six months been zoomed in preparing for our draft. So yeah, that's been the journey. Um, starting at Chelsea and, and then then really wanted to go to the US uh, because my wife had travelled, I had travelled there. And at that time, very difficult. And we spent a lot of money on the process and visas and had to start in a place that I'm forever grateful for in Culpeper to, to give me a chance to come to the States. And yeah, here we are back in the same area that flew into the airport actually yesterday, which was the first airport I flew into when I came to DC area. Really? So full <laughs> circle. And I'm hoping uh, the, 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 the passion, this, this is, this is about trying to help people. This is mm-hmm. about trying to win games, but. There's a deeper meaning. I, I really hope we can do something special for this area because this area has done something special for me that I wouldn't be where I am if, if people didn't give me a chance in this area. Yeah. You were with uh, Cool Pepper Soccer, I believe, um, as the technical director. Is that correct? Yeah. And I'll, I'll simplify this. I, I was speaking to a lot of large youth clubs in the US. Mm-hmm. And every time I got down the line with them, they would say, what, and they, the job description was X, Y, and Z. But actually, what I find is I could or couldn't do some of those roles. Culpepper Soccer said, "Mark, the whole thing is yours. Whatever you want to do, however way you want to do it." And and yeah, people people uh, people questioned and uh, challenged me on that's a long way. It's rural where I was. It's a long way from DC. How did you land there? So, well, these people are going to give me a chance, and and they're going to give me autonomy to do it the way that we believe we can. So that's how I got there. And uh, five years, well. Five, two or three years working for them because then became to the Washington spirit, but five years living in that community and a lot of special friends and family there. You kept that role though, didn't you? When you, I believe when you were with the Washington spirit and I, well, what, the, I, yeah, what I wanted year, to know was yeah. how you, how you kind of um, balance that. Was that really difficult? I feel, I feel, especially the distance because I know it's the cool pepper sock was in Virginia, I believe. Yeah, so uh, it's about a two-hour commute to get to the office uh, for the Washington Spirit from my house in Culpeper. I think there was crossover for about a year, uh, maybe a little bit less. Uh, we were building, it's, it's, it's what I've always tried to do, build infrastructure and, and get great people around that can do great work, um, give them roles, responsibilities and autonomy to, to make you know, their area of work even better. Like I, the way I start is always try and give a framework, expectations, the things that must be ticked. These are non-negotiable things for you and your job. But, but that's the starting point. And I, mm-hmm. and I, what I say to people is, I really look for proactive, uh, positive, and open-minded people because they're the, they're the people I've often had the most success with. So it's not personal preference. It's just looking back, clues and crumbs of people that I've not worked well with or I have. And people that are proactive, positive, and have a good growth mindset or open mind, they're the people that have just done exceptional things. And same in Culpeper. It doesn't, it, it's this model I'm talking about, whether it's in Culpeper or it's the Netherlands national team or it's important thorns or now Washington spirit, um, finding the people that, knowing the people that you need and want and being able to name it and, and, and name the qualities and then go and find people with those qualities. I was I was grateful when Culpeper that people did some great work while I was I was commuting. I would be back back by the afternoon and be able to get out to all the training sessions in the evening. Yeah, 12, 14 hour days for 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 a, for a period there wasn't super healthy. But I um yeah, young gun, think you can do everything. Learn the hard way sometimes that you can't, and uh, and probably got a little bit of a better balance today. Yeah, and uh, and then. Obviously, I think a couple of years later, then 
the coaching staff at the Washington Spirit were um, respectfully they were relieved from their, their duties of course you got the call up then to take over as caretaker manager where what was your feeling firstly and, and and secondly then actually I'll ask you first how you, what did you how did you feel did you feel ready did you feel kind of not not ready or yeah no? this is this is cheesy and I won't be able to name it perfectly but Richard Branson I saw it years later says a quote of if you get offered something you're not ready for take it and learn on the mm-hmm. you know learn, learn on the, on the job, job yeah. you're never you're never ready whatever the quote is so so take that to the extreme um that was probably the reality but my mindset has always is always been um i can absolutely work hard i'm going to care about people and i'm going to try and learn and grow as much as possible mm-hmm. so when this came yeah, I was all in to try and help because someone's saying help. And when they, you say that word to me, you've got me. You know, we need help and we need someone to steady the ship. So my idea was um, I felt I had to give something for the team to hold to grab hold of. So there was something I believed in, but it was also strategic. So believed in playing good football. Well, what's good football? Everyone has a different opinion, but good football that time was, yeah, we're going to have fun playing the football that we play, the style of play. We're going to be good with the ball and we're going to be aggressive without the ball. Just keep it simple. And I, and I told them that even though we are where we are, bottom of the league, and we haven't, we think the club had won one game in 12 or 13, mm-hmm. we're going to play this football. And by the end, this football will get us results. By the end of the season, we were going to finish last no matter what. There was no changing course. We were too far apart. So I, I, uh, I'm passionate about playing football like that, but it was also strategic. At the end of the year, I wanted to make sure the players that we wanted to keep wanted to stay. And when you finish bottom and, and, and the club has got limited resources at the time, it's going to be hard to do that. And when you and to recruit, I wanted to use video and show new players where we are mm-hmm. going with the type of football. So I, I, I shared that vision. Um, and at the end, we won, we won the last two and drew one, which should have won. So we almost won the last three from winning one game all year. We almost won three on the bounce playing mm-hmm. for football. Um, uh, so I sh- sorry shared shared the vision and it was strategic, but also I wanted to make sure everyone enjoyed themselves. And I found myself enjoying myself when I'm involved in the process, when I have some space to give and share opinions, even if it's an area that I don't make the decision. If if I'm involved in the process, you've got me. I I, I my enjoyment factor goes up. So that was the other part. I wanted the team to enjoy enjoy the process, enjoy the journey, enjoy the. Uh, the last three months of the year results probably weren't going to change and for a while so we finished the season playing great football getting some results and we enjoyed ourselves and then next year i mean we we went from bottom to the playoffs uh and then went to playoffs again so two years in a row um and then you know 12 months after they, they actually go into the championship game the year after i left i went to portland almost met them my new team and old team almost met in the final and then it dropped off and dropped off for two or three years. And, and now we're at the point I just finished second to bottom. And here I, you know, not, not bottom like last mm. time, but here, here I come with some amazing staff and players to, to try and change course here and make something special happen quick and, you know, now, but also built for the long term, hoping that, that one day some of us in this building aren't here, that this team doesn't dip again. This, this team continues to build. And in Portland, I think we, we showed that the team had struggled for two or three years. Mm-hmm. I was there for six years. They just won a championship last year and they're going to be great again this year. We're building, you know, we need in this league, you have to be professional football. You have to be successful pretty quick. 
we have to win games to get to playoffs. You've got to be in playoffs to win championships. So we've got to pick up points. So you've got to be effective and successful now. But what I say to the general manager and the owner is we can't um, can't sacrifice the medium or long term. And in some of the business we've already done, we may be, may be looking at the future, you know, years when I'm not even here, mm. but that's important. It's important for the whole process. While not taking eyes off, we've got to train really well today. We've got to perform on the weekend. Otherwise, we won't, won't be here to to see next year, never mind next, you know, five years' time. Are you flexible then with your approach in terms of, uh, of tactically, I mean, because obviously you said that when you took over the Washington Spirit, they were rock bottom of the league. And then when you take over uh, at Portland Thorns, obviously they're in a, a much better position. But is your style of play, are you still adamant on playing the exact same style of play, the same principles, or are you more flexible with, with the one that's struggling because you know they do maybe need instant results or were, was it more so the case that because you were too far gone you knew you could play your style of football really and it won't it won't overly matter in terms of the, the, the end result yeah I think a conversation that's common is do you uh, do you play a way to bring out the best qualities of your players um, or do you play the best way that can help get short, medium, long-term success and the players have to adjust? Well, at national team level, for example, you, you're not going to be able to sign a recruit. You can develop, of course, over the years, but you can't sign a recruit players to play the exact way. So national team, I think it's critical to play the way that can complement and bring the best qualities of your of your top players. All players, but also starting point, top players. Club level, um, I'm very strong on, I have a clear vision of playing football. Uh, I'll, I'll go to a club and work in a club that already has a core of players that, that meet the demands and meet the profile of that. But also I have the ability to recruit and sign players that can play. That's my short answer. The, the journey, the long journey answer is 2013 to 2018-19. So five, six years. Over, that's two clubs that I worked with in that period. I would say my ideal football at a global level didn't change much, but I was very flexible in the details, played mm-hmm. a lot of different shapes, even principles. So the ideas, the main intentions didn't change, but the principles, I was, I was always looking to improve and experimenting, getting it wrong, getting it right. Let me give you a short answer. Um, probably wasn't doing a good enough job to the level. I, 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 you always look back, you keep going, you look back and think, wow, how did I not know this then? But I was doing an okay job. To end of 2019 was a big turning point in, in myself, my own thinking, but also that Portland when we rebuilt the team. Mm-hmm. I kind of come to the conclusion that having, you, ha- having a very clear idea that I've always had, but un- uh, black and white, pure clarity in your intention, team intentions and team principles to your style of play and going to, to, to keep the players that can play that way or sign recruit players that can play that way. Non-negotiable, don't compromise. Um, and when I say clear idea and a game model of how you want to play, it's got to be based off reality. So at the time, I'm working at the top of women's football. And I, and I said at the end of 19, going into 2020 season, I want to be so clear on our identity in team culture, our identity in style of play, that we can do special things. I want mm-hmm. us to, I want Barcelona or Lyon to come to the stadium and I want to beat them. Uh, I want players to be able to outplay uh, as a collective group 
um, some of the best players and teams in the world football. Two years later, we achieved that. We, we, 2021, we won four out of five trophies. We just fell short of the last trophy before I left. And we beat Lyon, actually. We met, we hoped for Barca in the ICC, but Lyon, Lyon beat Barca, so we played Lyon. Uh, we beat, managed to beat them 1-0. Um, we played the kid. We had a 15-year-old in the pitch in the first half. We had some other youngsters and squad players in the first half before we brought um, players that were returning from the uh, Olympics, actually, before we brought them on. Leon were at full strength, but we're in pr- their pre-season. So that was, a, yeah, that was a proud moment. That was a longer answer. 2020 onwards. Identity is, is for me, the most important thing. What is the identity of your team culture? Because that's going to drive all your football work. What's the identity of your style of play? But then what we're, you know, what we're going to be working on very soon here is then, then we need to know the identity of each, each individual and talk about staff as well, but focus on players. We, re- we sign, keep, retain or recruit of player identity, their strengths. I want to know who, what the players' top qualities are. Now, on the pitch, I want to know what their top qualities are off the pitch. Then we get to make a decision if they fit where we're going or they, they could, um, with some time and work, they could grow and evolve to fit. Short answer, need to have a very clear way of how you're going to play and lead your team. When you don't have that, when I have, sorry, when I have not had that, that's where I've struggled. When I have had that, it's where I've overachieved with great staff and great players. Yeah. There's a couple of things there that you said that I found really interesting I'd just like to, to ask you about. Firstly, when you play a side like Leon in the ICC, they're obviously coming from Europe and you're used to playing teams in the United States, of course. Was there much difference in, I suppose, uh, tactically and physically, was there much difference there in preparing your players and how Leon did play compared to when you would play a side from the NWSL, of course? Yeah, I think that maybe the simple way of saying what European football looks like on the women's side mm-hmm. and the top NWSL teams. Uh, European uh, top team will be tactics first uh, and intensity second. And this is me trying to simplify it. And in the US, intensity first, tactics second. So there, are, so the language that other people use that that does does uh, intrigue me sometimes, frustrate me. And I've been, you know, I've just spent a year over a year in Europe and and coaching the Euros and seeing the top top players and national teams and watched huge amount of Champions League. Um, and we were sorry, just give you an example. Same with international. We we played Brazil before the Olympics. Brazil national team, senior team, a very good, very good team. We played them and it's just a friendly, but we won two one. And I, again, I was playing squad players because we trying to develop everyone. A club team managed to beat them um, and they couldn't live with our intensity. Now, tactically, we were unbelievable as well. You have to be. But intensity, you know, I think Liverpool, Liverpool under Klopp, go back two, three, four years ago. Though the When they were unplayable, they were playing at a speed, like Mourinho was going to a press conference and trying to say the fullbacks for Liverpool were on drugs or you know, on something because they move and run so much. Like this is the way I describe um, the top end of cell teams: intense and tactical. In Europe, it's tactical and intense. So the top teams are often make up the same things. It's just a slight tweak on what is the highest priority. The, the North American player has been sprinting around a soccer pitch since five years old, and some of them also got some good coaching, and some of them didn't. Um, for us, thinking. 
I think you mute Mark, you muted your mic there, sorry. <laughs> Apologies. No, uh, don't worry. So go back to go back to the North American player, yeah, and, and with us. Thinking, scanning, perception is critical, critical qualities. Um, but but playing playing on the pitch um, subconsciously is a high priority, is the most important. So I've just contradicted myself. How can we be training and playing subconsciously? Because when you're not thinking, you're, you're, you're mm-hmm. moving, you're in a flow, you're sprinting, you, you lose the ball, you're instantly trying to win it back. You win the ball, you're trying to hurt the opponent. In build-up, you're just constantly adjusting off the opponent position or shape to be, to, to be a free player, find the free player. Um, I, I, I Our philosophy here is obviously trying to help that develop thinking and scanning and positioning and, and making sure they're, they're making decisions based off opponent's space and other, other players on our team. But we've got to be put, we've got to be intense, we've got to be running, we've got to be moving, we've got to be competing. Um, because for me, when I've watched the biggest and most, the, the biggest games in women's football, England, Germany in the Euros final, Champions League, Barca, Lyon, um, go back to NWSL, Portland Thorns when I was there, in North Carolina Courage, mm-hmm. probably the two best teams we've seen in this country in, throughout those years. When you watched all these, so Europe or US, when you or, or national team, England, Germany uh, in the Euros, these teams are unbelievably uh, great individuals, unbelievably tactical, but the intensity, the speed uh, of the game is is like you know, what you don't see normally in women's football. It's the, yeah. the best of the best. So I'm, you know, I, I tried to went along there. Is it's just how what's the highest priority? And I tried to give you my answer. Um, that slight difference between the two. And for me, I, I will coach and lead now the rest of my career in women's football, um, which country or continent, uh, the way I want to play football, I've tasted it at the very top. Mm-hmm. And I only want to develop that idea even more and even better and make it better. Every day, every month, every year, I think I, I'm on a path where I can do that. I won't negotiate the style of play um, uh, and that's why picking the right environment is, is key. Because mm. sometimes you actually can't. You have to adapt. But then that might not be the best place for me because I know what it takes to be able to play and compete at the very top of women's football. And I only want to play that way and develop that idea, um, not compromise and play a different way just to just to win one or two games. Mm-hmm. When you say about you want to be excellent tactically, what kind of work goes into ensuring that your sides are excellent tactically? I mean... I actually spoke to a a manager that I, I won't name him, but he's a top manager in Ireland anyway. And he said to me that one of his players, they're they're excellent tactically. I've watched so many of their games, but he said that one of the players just don't listen, doesn't listen to instructions, and he doesn't mind it as much because he is so excellent on the pitch that he kind of lets him away with it almost. Um, and this is what I'm 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 asking you about being excellent tactically because not every player, everyone's different, but. I feel like not every player will be able to take in as much information as others. Some some players, from just from my own experience, I know that some players are very willing to learn and take in knowledge and take in analysis about the opposition, whereas some others kind of, you have to keep it very brief, very short, give them little tiny details. How do you ensure that you find that balance and that you are, when you step out onto the pitch, everybody knows the roles? You know, like what kind of, 
what kind of opposition analysis goes into uh, to like when when you're coaching a side? What are you looking for from your analysts to then translate to your players? Basically, is what I I tried to ask, but in a very long way. Yeah, I'm really passionate about this uh, about my answer actually. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, f- football is really complex, and when you're playing at the speed that I kind of described that it takes to, to win the biggest games in women's football, when you're playing at that speed. Um, you've got to have a real clarity. And I think it starts with obviously trying to make people conscious, but then playing in a place of being subconscious where you're just reacting. The first way I start with the team, and they've already heard it on a Zoom call when I first become the head coach, is the is the, the overview of our style of play in the most simplest language possible. With the ball, we want to eliminate players and play in the opponent's uh, half. When we lose the ball, we want to get it back. We chase, we run, we sprint, we want to get it back. When we're defending, we want to we want to put pressure on the ball, the furthest point from goal. And when we win it, we want to look forward, think forward, run forward, play forward. So now try and uh, I'll just reset. I'll talk through that uh, very briefly with some sentences, but then I'll come back and just say, when we have it, we're about eliminating opponents. So we've either got to find the free player, which we'll always try and create, or we've got to create and find the free player. And I, and I do it purposely because most of the time there is a free player. There are not many, you know, from a goal kick or throw in, there are not many opponents in the world that go player for player. So where's the first free player? Where's the next free player? Um, yeah, eliminate opponents, um, lose the ball, get it back. And, and what I'm trying to say is that now it's like, okay, wow, uh, the game's not that simple, but no, it's very complex. And then in, inside these words I'm talking about, it's got a, my ideas, there's intentions, what the team's trying to complete, and then there's principles and how the team's going to complete them. So being really clear on how you're going to play, and my passion is as simple as possible. If they've got to remember, if he does this, do I do this? It's over, because the biggest games aren't won like that. You've got to be making decisions so, so how the simpler it can be to guide thoughts and energy, I think mm-hmm. the better you can move. The other piece of my answer where I'm passionate about is you talked about different individuals and they can or they cannot do this. You've got to know the players and their qualities and, 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 and the player, whatever their learning style is or how much they can or can't do, they're going to improve 1%, 5%, 10%, think the best in them. They can improve a little bit, but they're not going to move a huge amount. And I, I, I've, I've coached a player who's won every World Cup, won the World Cup, won the Olympics, won all the domestic titles, who is a very, very tactical, deep thinker, can, can really think about so many different layers to everything. And then I've also coached a player who's won the same trophies, who you've got, the only thing that you can do with them is when we get the ball faced up, when we have it faced up, we need you on the back shoulder mm-hmm. and we need your body shape to be facing the opponent's goal. And depending on the, where the ball is, depending where the opponent is, is, the, is the, uh, the angle and the speed and the timing of your run. Uh, so it's, it's just be here. When we, you know, when we have the ball waiting for this moment, be in position, have good body shape, and, then the, and keep improving the moment that you make your run and, of course, where you make your run. I've coached both. And I, I've, I've seen, yeah, of course, I've seen other coaches who try to keep it too simple for the complex thinker and make it too complicated for the, for the thinker who needs it a bit simple, mm-hmm. the, the player who needs it a bit simple. Know your players and 
I also, when I say that, know your players and try to help them. The players have also got to know you. And I try to, I'm in that stage now, I'm going to really over-communicate who I am to the team. But I, I will try and communicate, you know, some good things, but also some not so good things. They, they, I want them to know who I am and how I lead and how I work. So they're not guessing. They're not spending energy on where is he going? What's he thinking? Mm -hmm. Why does he do that? I'm going to over-communicate because less energy on things that shouldn't matter, more energy on analyzing and preparing and training and playing games. Passion. I'm really passionate about this answer. Keep it as, take your complex way of playing and get it to a, a simple, make it as simple as possible. Know your players and deliver the message that, that helps that player perform. Um, yeah, I just, you, you, you triggered me a little bit. I would <laughs> not have had, I would not have had the success I've had. We've won every trophy in, in, in the NWSL, which no one else has done. If we didn't have players that you described that are a little bit more challenging on the information, if we didn't have them, because some of those players did things no one else could do, but we did, and, and I wouldn't say it was always me. Uh, I'd bang my head against a brick wall sometimes. Someone on my staff would say, why don't we just try this and deliver this way? If we focus on this, can they do it? But we'd, we were committed to finding a way to helping the player. And we had to get it wrong. And the player had to get it wrong. But we mm -hmm. got there. And when we got there, it was special. We really made fast progress. In terms of, of individual players, do you think your your coaching and your tactical philosophy is adept, I suppose, of at, at allowing players to have the freedom to express themselves? And I know that sounds quite cliched, but somebody like, I think you, I believe you signed Sophia Smith at Portland Thorns, is that yeah. correct? Someone like uh, Sophia yeah. Smith, obviously, is just a, a wonderful player. I only, I, I only wrote about Sophia recently, actually. Um, and I was watching our games and I was blown away by her. But do you think you're, you're, the way you want to play is you can get the best out of these types of players without having, I suppose what I'm asking is, without having too many tactical limitations on on them? Because you also don't want to kill their creativity, really. I know Juan Malilo, the former assistant manager of Pep Guardiola um, at City, he spoke about this recently, how he believes that sometimes the more tactical developments there are in the game, the more it's almost hindered player creativity and freedom. It almost, I, I mean, I read the article, it was in The Athletic, I believe, and it was almost like that. Um, it was like an old man yelling at a cloud, kind of just angry at the, the modern world. And I, 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 but I understand his point just like a little bit. There is a part that like you look at players like Mesut Ozil, obviously, that when he was with Arsenal, this wonderful technical player and it almost felt like the game left him behind just a little bit as as it progressed, even when he was at Arsenal. Maybe I'm wrong, but it just felt like the even guys like Raquel May and, you know, when he was playing at the peak of his powers with Villarreal or Boca Juniors and, and things like that, the game kind of left them behind gradually. It, I, I know it was a long-winded question, but I suppose, as I said, is your coaching philosophy able to 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 allow the players to express themselves? And kind of how do you do that? Yeah, two two answers because you 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 crossed the borders there a couple of different times. But uh, first of all, uh, yes, it has to. The the answer of they need to be able to be creative, make their own decisions, have space to be themselves. I'll dive into that in a second. Number two is, uh, and it relates to what I'm going to dive into. I just want to be clear: if someone doesn't work hard off the ball. Um, and isn't open-minded to improving, mm -hmm. then then it doesn't work. So, um, 
So when you talked about some of the special, special... I remember seeing Messi for Pep Guardiola at Barca. And I remember doing a few presentations on Messi then. I said the, the game's changing. When I saw Messi sprinting 40 yards, 50 yards to counter-press or press for, for Barca, yeah. the most gifted player in the world that I'd ever seen, he's now running off the ball. Then go, go back to, you know, between the ages of 20 and 28, whatever, I don't know, but especially Pep years. I said, yeah, football's changed because I used to go down to Portsmouth and watch Robert Prozenecki. He never broke into a walk. He was standing and adjusting his feet slowly until he had the ball and, and then all free kicks or corners. Mm. Um, and, you know, Chelsea, um, I used to, one of my favourite players, Chelsea, Gianfranco Zola, was this special temper. Zola worked hard off the ball. He was a bit unique. You look at some of the Dennis Burkamp, one of the most best, best top players I've seen play football, didn't work a huge amount off. The game has kind of evolved where it's harder to hide people that don't work off the ball. So uh, th- those players don't, I, I, they can't survive in, in the in the way I see uh, see football. They, they, I can't sign that player, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Now they can fit other teams and they'll play against us and they'll cause nightmares and they might win the game for them, but they can't play in our team, unfortunately. Come back to the first answer, Sophia Smith and some other examples. You've got to know how you want to play. What is the way that you want to play clear, as clear as possible? What does it take to play that way? What are the players, what are the qualities? Same as business, same as any other sport, you know, recruiting staff or recruiting players. What are you trying to achieve? What do you need to achieve it? And then you're going to get to some qualities. So I look at player player qualities and teammate qualities. So we need non-negotiable. If if we're going to sign a striker, they need to be able to do this, this, this. And teammate qualities, this, this, this. So look at Sophia Smith. This would be uh, when she was at Stanford and and uh, we were very aggressive in getting a draft pick, hoping maybe she would come out of the draft. And if she didn't, they would have had the draft pick and, and be not picking this, this player that we really wanted and needed. The things we needed to play the football we wanted are her top qualities. So when you're saying, are they free and they're creative? Well, imagine the things I'm going to demand, the most important things out of this position. She loves doing. It's her top quality doing. It's natural for her to do. Mm-hmm. So then you're, and that's where I, actually a different topic is recruitment in football, women's football. I, I, I'm really worried. I, I, I see, and I'm making judgments. I see clubs who play this way, sign players that play this way. And, and then I see the player have a tough year or two. And I'm very passionate about, you've got to find the, the players and the staff to fit the qualities that you need. Because then you get to put the player in their top quality. Sophia Smith, um, her talents are incredible. I remember she came back from a US national team camp and day one, she was thinking too much and, and not playing like herself. And um, he, and then day, I, I, day two, I saw her again and I said, okay, I, we've got to change course pretty quick. She gave up the ball and she stopped and she was just like this. When she part, played a pass, she was like this. And the honesty is she probably was just a bit insecure about losing the ball and why does she not make it perfect? She'd just come from national team. Everything has to be perfect. And I spoke to her after training. And it comes back to our very first or second meeting we had with, and I do this with every player. I was like, so what's your best qualities? And she repeated them to me. And one of them is her pressing her ability to defend and press from the front is unbelievable. So I said, so we talked about her quality, which she had forgotten, which she wasn't doing. So it's not asking her to do something I, I want her to do. It's, it's what her quality is. So I said, so we can go over the video and go over the data. Um, two things. One, when we're in build-up, 
it's really hard to play final passes and create chances in build-up. Because if we're organized in build-up, they're organized. It's hard. And the, what you do is take risks. What you do is do things that see things other people don't see. You try things other people don't mm -hmm. don't try. That's who you are. And that's why you're here. So so you have to keep doing that. More, be a risk taker. That, that's that's who you are. But second, we're going to score more goals from counter pressing than we are from build up. Why? Because when we lose it and the opponent starts to get big, and then we win it, they're not organized. So you're you're ups, you're you are overthinking and a bit upset that you didn't play a perfect pass when the defense was most organized. And then you stood still in the moment they were most vulnerable, which is your best quality. Yeah, I never spoke to her again. And she probably scored three or four goals from counter-pressing herself. She set up four or five other goals from counter-pressing. But it comes back to it's her quality. It's mm -hmm. why, we, why we went all in to try and bring her here. Start back to the same answer. Um, they need freedom. They need creativity. They need Now, how do you do that? Everyone does it differently. I know how I want to play. I want to. I know the qualities I need to to achieve that. I try to bring or retain those qualities. I make it clear to the players um, that you're here for your top qualities. They have to. They have to tell me what their top qualities are. We're, we're doing that over the next week or two here. These are my top qualities, coach and technical staff. These are the things that make me who I am. And we try and develop them and push them and challenge them and and, and make sure the style of play is bringing out those qualities. Uh, that's why they're here. We play. We want to play this way, and we need players to do these things to play that way. I know that was long, but I but I Great actually answer. feel it was probably it's probably um, out of the things we could talk about. I feel it's the most important thing I could share of how I see playing, how I see coaching, how I see leading. Um, it yeah. must be more difficult than obviously. I, I want to touch on a point you made kind of earlier on the podcast and I'll, I'll get on to I'll, I'll allude to it now but it must be much more difficult to achieve that maybe that balance maybe I'm wrong at international level because you have less time with the players of course you have less time maybe to develop that kind of a relationship and you said they're about trying to improve their technical areas I've spoke to some people who they haven't managed at international level, so I'm, I'm, I was incredibly excited to get you on. Someone who has that experience managing at the top level, in club level and international level. I mean, it, it, it's it's incredible the, your achievement so far. But they said to me that they didn't really focus on improving technical ability at international level because it's it's kind of not their role or responsibility, if that makes sense. Not that it's not that responsibility, but it's it's they have such limited time. You need to focus on your game model, your tactics more than anything. Did you, do you do you feel that's true, basically? Yeah, well, it, 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 um, the answer is yes, I understand that comment. Um, and I'd share a couple of thoughts. So so first of all, national international football, you get you get less time and you're trying to achieve more. You know, you're trying to build, build a tactical cohesion or task cohesion. You would want some social cohesion as well, but but Task cohesion, tactical cohesion mm -hmm. in such little time. That's challenging. Uh, and, and that's the biggest adjustment that you, you just, you have to achieve so much more with less words, less contact, less pitch time. And I think anyone, anyone, you know, it's, I love seeing uh, men's or women's football. They're a club coach. They can't do it in international. Do you know what? Everyone at one point was a club coach. Everyone, yeah. Roberto Martinez. Um, every, everyone has been so the best national team coaches that have had 
repeated success mm -hmm. got it wrong for three to five years let's say got it wrong we're figuring it out for three to five years like it's yeah it's 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 very tough um so national team uh, the philosophy my, my 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 biggest passion because i believe it helps developing people and players and when you develop people and players you can develop a team and then you can win my passion was still there with the national team what i wanted to know every player's top quality now they weren't with us it wasn't our job to develop it but i needed the players to know what's your top qualities and we would watch you know, in the Netherlands. We would watch a huge amount of live games every week. Like in you know, a small country, we could get everywhere. But then during the week, we we're analysing all our players at their club teams um, to a huge amount of detail. And the way that I, I structured that 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 work with with analysing our players is when we look at the the um, their top qualities or. Um, positional profile of our team I try to stay focused on the things that aren't tactical so if a team's playing low, defending low defending high or a build up with less passes or more passes when you see the players top qualities are they bringing them the games we're watching are they showing those qualities and how how are they doing that and are they making the right decisions based off their top qualities so uh, yeah and, and based off that we have to do individual work we'd watch a player FC Twenty or Ajax we do video work with while they're, they've been at their club. Never talk tactics. Never talk about the principles of the team. Sometimes we just say, for context, what's the principle here? Okay, makes sense. And all we were trying to do is keep them focused on their top quality. Make sure they're bringing their top quality every moment on the pitch. That would help us because how we build our team is, uh, is we want to put players in the best position to show their best qualities. And it starts with, and it sounds so simple, but make them make sure they're conscious of the things that make them who they are, and that's easy at the beginning, pre-season. That's easy when the team's flying and you're in a flow. Mm -hmm. It's not easy when it's tough when you've lost some games or, you, or players aren't playing well or an individual not playing well. You start searching, you start looking. I need to try this. I need to try this. Well, guess what? When you played the great football, what were you doing? You're doing these three or four things, the top things that you do, and you're doing them without thinking. So let's start thinking about them more, get back into a rhythm, be more conscious. So then it can become subconscious. So I, I, um, you, you, my answer is yes, you don't get to on the pitch work with the players. It's, they're with the clubs. But I was very passionate about the process I just explained. You mm -hmm. can do it, you know, away from the pitch. And then they're arriving in a, in a more focused state of mind of their quality. They also, because we're focused on them, they know that if they bring them in our team environment, they, they're going to be more successful. Yeah, so it doesn't matter where I coach. Um, player development, one way or another, is, is going to be right up there. I, I've never had successful periods with any team without developing players. And I'm glad that it's a passion of mine since community coaching at Chelsea and academy work at Chelsea. But what I say often is it's a passion well, I've, I'm excited from getting it wrong and getting it right. Winning, winning doesn't happen unless you're developing players. It's not just because I like to do it. It's the recipe to win. Not yeah. Anyone can win tomorrow and next week. Anyone can win short term. I've experienced that. I've lost some, to some teams where I'm just like, how? How is this possible <laughs> that we've lost to this team? But the very few, the very few that win and win again and win again, that's real success. That's that's some real purposeful, intentional work going on there. Mm. They're developing players. I mean, you're developing looking, players and developing a team. Look, even at Arsenal now in the Premier League, of course, the 
Oh, I love it. I yeah, love but it. you can see even things like body position in every time they receive. Even Eddie Nketiah, a player who was always okay, but you see this season when he receives the ball, he always has the right body position. He's always he rolls the defender. He's 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 in the right position to receive on his left foot and his right foot to turn the defender to link up play. I mean, you, the coaching that goes into that isn't just. In, you know, man managing and which of course it is you have to keep them happy but the actual coaching that goes in the little details is amazing so I, uh, I and, and um, it links to my passion so I'll be I'll, um, I'll share quickly so I watched at the end of the Arsenal season I watched yeah we probably all watched it but All Access so it's, I watched yeah, All Access yeah, yeah. Arsenal Amazon before this season started maybe I can't remember and so I watched that show and it showed the struggles and the this and this and this. Um, I said to whoever, whoever would listen, Arsenal are going to be a force. Mm-hmm. They have a vision of what they want to do. They've gone and find a coach that can, that can work within. So they want this and they, they need this quality, these qualities. They found the coach with these qualities. Now the coach is, is knows that he also wants to play that way, just like they do, whoever they do or the owners, whoever. And they're going to find players who play that way. And they're training it. They're playing like it. They're developing it, and it takes time. Now, meanwhile, you know Arsenal. The noise around Arsenal always. Right? They they picked up this this stigma. Uh, it goes wrong for a second, and every you know, it's it's end of the world. Um, I I said it. If this guy can hold on, they're going to do something special. And mm-hmm. it's we have an idea. We're getting we're getting people to execute the idea, and we're getting players to to execute the idea, and we're going to invest, invest, invest. Look, look, Pep, Pep at City, Klopp at Liverpool, now Arteta at Arsenal. If if we all and they all play different, uh, maybe different ways and different, maybe different um, tweaks of it. But the main idea starts with the, the philosophy is the same, mm-hmm. it's, same as business. Whoever Mercedes, BMW, I, I don't know, but I swear, if we go there, it's like we want to achieve this, which means we need to go and get people who have these skills, and they need to hire people with these skills, and then we give them all their resources, all their support. We make sure that they're healthy, that they have a, a, a they, they keep a good balance, and they got a good uh, healthy mind and healthy body. It's a little bit. It's a little bit. Of some of my experiences that, when I've been most successful, I have done the same. And then, then the answer is, the answer is, why didn't you always do it? Because there's noise. When I haven't, right? 2019 in Fort and Thorns was. I think I compromised way too much in 22 with the Netherlands. When you compromise and move away from what you believe in, yeah, things. I haven't had. I've had some of my uh, least success, um, which which comes back to what's the idea. Everyone else, get people who have the ability to execute that idea and invest in it. Invest, 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 invest. It, not money, energy, time. Keep going, keep building this. Special things take time. I, I, I know we're over time and I'm so sorry. I'm, I'm the worst timekeeper in the world, but I actually don't want this chat to end. So I, I do have just one more question. Yep. I ask all coaches that come on the podcast the same question because I, I, I just personally like it for my own. I just, I, I just personally like the question anyway. It's who are your biggest coaching inspirations? And also just in that, did I read that you spoke to Louis van Gaal as well when you were the Netherlands manager? Yeah, quick answers there, Louis van Gaal, and also spent some time with Eric Ten Hag when he was at Ajax. Um, oh. uh, Michael Bill, uh, he was mm-hmm. the under-10s, under-11s coach at Chelsea. Uh, Keith Harms, who I talked about, Girls Academy. Um, I've got, yeah, the, uh, 
I just just answered the, the, the quick one and then spiraled into it. Uh, I have um, a lot of great influences. So so who's been the biggest influence? Yeah, I have a lot of great ones, but the the people I'm attracted to are the ones who are able to get a group of people um, mm-hmm. playing, executing their idea. So that I used to gravitate to coaches like Sari. Sari was at Napoli. I'd, I'd seen this team play football and I was just like, incredible, incredible side at Napoli. And I just started to do uh, studies and, and data studies and analysis, video analysis on this team. And then suddenly he was coming to Chelsea. And I, and I felt like he's not going to do well at Chelsea because he, um, it, it, he wasn't going to do well with the, play, the, the players. Like Hazard, you, you have to you, you have mm-hmm. to live the principles with him, and that's how you get everyone. Which would look like the, they're thinking the same in every moment. I got I used to get attracted to the people that played the football that I like, and I I evolved. I matured. I'm just curious. From the first moment I actually got to America, this hit me. Curious with any leader that can get a, a, a huge amount of people all on the same page, playing the game the same way. If the idea of playing is what I like or don't like, I try to let go of it. It's mm-hmm. okay. How do they do that? What are their methods? What are their training methods? What's their, yeah, how, how do they do that? Because we can argue all day the right way and wrong way to play football. I know how I'd like to play football and I'm going to constantly try and develop that with, with people. But the, I'm curious with leadership and, and training sessions, training sessions that get, get players playing the way you want. Uh, when I first got to America, I was training, uh, uh, training under 10s, under 12s team or whatever. And then I saw over the other side, American football uh, team, high school, and there's 60, 70 players. And I'm th- and I literally, in my head, just like, I'm trying to get 10 kids on the same page. Someone's over there trying to get 70 people on the same page. I then made some phone calls, met the coach for coffee, ended up sat down with him once a month. Just amazing, nice local high school coach. And I was just curious, how do you, and, and then I learned they have positional coaches. You have mm-hmm. the head coach, you have offense, defense, you have positional coaches. And, and basically, it's, uh, yeah, I can't coach 60, 70 people. Well, it's not going to be effective. Um, but I coach the six, seven people who do coach five, eight to 10 people each. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, I lead and lead the main messages, but they do a lot of the coaching. And I'm just, yeah, I'm curious with, I get attracted to anyone that can get people onto the same page. I love the new Brighton coach. Um, Roberto uh, Zerbi. It's, it, it, yeah. it's, 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 it's very interesting that. Um, so I'm a Chelsea fan and they did great uh, yeah. they made a big jump with Graham and brought Graham Potter in and at one point did have a conversation with uh, with Brighton and uh, and and told and I shared with them I was like yeah I'm, I think you hit the jackpot with your new coach and I don't know what he's like on the social or the leadership and the mm-hmm. team building like what Graham, I think what Graham Potter probably is excellent at but but on the pitch this team's going to be it's, it's going to be special Um but that's, you know, Conti's had those years. Sarri's had those years. Some of these coaches, Guardiola and Klopp might be unique, but some of the, these coaches who have the most purest ideas that can achieve these results, um, it, it, they, they're so pure and so genius that actually they don't have some of the other, or, or not they do have, but maybe don't spend time on the other parts of, of leading, managing a club, managing, yeah. a, managing up, managing sideways, managing down. I have lots of inspirations. The ones that can lead a group of people to execute their idea, the ones I'm attracted to the most. And that was Eric Ten Hag at Ajax. I was desperate. So I, when he was at Utrecht, I wanted to watch him. It just didn't work out in my schedule. And then I spent a week with him at Ajax. And yeah, just blown away by. And, and they were all there. Um, all the uh, Frank de Jong, uh, De Ligt. Um, this was the dream team. when they, It was the beginning of the yeah. season when they went on the Champions League run. 
uh, he was great. He was open. And I got to see everything, and I got to see the B team and the academy. And um, yeah, he was uh, attracted to people that get people on the same page. And he's doing that at Man United, right? I, how he's turned that around the first few weeks. Um, even I said to close friends, I said, I think he's, I think he's done because mm-hmm. it, it, you know, this guy who I thought no matter what would be able to do this, it's been such horrific beginning. I don't know if anyone recovers. Here he is. Oh, we took over sink and ship completely. It was crazy. And he's managed to just completely steer it back to shore. And now they're sitting, I think, toward it's uh, absolutely unbelievable um, the job he's done so far. And also, just on the Zerbi, you mentioned that we're huge fans of the Zerbi at TFA here. And this style of football he plays is so bold. And it's it's even so bold that he has a rocks a goatee in 2023. I love it. I think he's a wonderful addition to the Premier League. So I think it's it's wonderful. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining me today. I, I wish you all the best for the rest of the season and all the best in your preparations, of course, too. Thank you, Adam. Thanks for having me on. Excited to talk about football and uh, yeah, look forward to seeing, reading more of your stuff in the future. Awesome. To all the listeners at home, I hope you enjoyed as well. Make sure to tune in on Monday as we have a all new good. episode of TFA Scouted for you all and make sure to rate the podcast too and share it with your followers, friends and family as it really helps us to grow. Thank you all for listening. And goodbye for now.